Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Lawman, Chapter 16. The chaplain slipped out of the room, and when she came back, Garen was coming down the aisle toward her. I need you, she said gently. He followed her down the hall, past the waiting room, to the desk, and an aide was singling frequently to the chaplain. Just a minute. The chaplain told him, going to confer with the aisle. The aide, Aaron waited. Tana still cable. She must live. She must live. He felt panic as he watched the chaplain's face go somber. She came back. She's all right, she said immediately, because he looked absolutely frightened. Come on, we'll go up and talk to the surgeon. They went into the elevator, which was already packed, and up to the surgical ward. Colchin and Dr. Franks were waiting for him. They both looking in. I didn't tell him, she said softly. You have a son. Coltrin said the gentlest voice Karen could ever hear. <laughs> what about Grace? <laughs> yes, there's tea. She's holding her own, Coltrin said. May even have helped us. It was a quick labor, very unusual for a first child. She came through it with very little stress beyond the usual. Now they're prepping her for surgery. She's given us permission to operate, Dr. Frank said. But I like yours as well. Of course, Karen said. May I see her? Just for a minute, Dr. Frank said. Dr. Cochran will take you back. Do your best, Garen asked the surgeon. His eyes said more than words. Dr. France put a firm hand on I don't lose patience, he said in a smile. She's going to come through it. Have faith. Garen nodded. He followed Cochran and Nan back through the ward to the room where Grace had been given her pre-op medication. She was very drowsy, but she saw Garen in her eyes. Grace, he choked, been in a kiss around. Oh, God, Grace, why didn't you tell me, baby? I couldn't do that to you, she whispered. Tears were pouring down. You were so excited about the baby. You wanted him so much. We have a little boy, did today tell you? Yes, he managed to say. He was fighting the wetness in his own eyes and losing. Come here, she whispered, drawing his face down to hers. Came without a protest, drowning in the comfort she gave him. He felt ashamed. He should be comforting her. She kissed his eyelids slowly, tasted the wet, salty moisture on his lips. He shuddered at the tenderness, and she felt it. He was devastated. Poor, poor man, to have to go through such anguish with two pregnancies. But she didn't want to die. She was going to fight. What he was feeling and showing was far too deep for pity. It hurt her to see him so shattered when his strength had carried her so far from danger. It's all right, Karen. Everything will be all right, I promise. But she hesitated because she was taking a step into the unknown. She was getting sleepy. Take care of our baby. No, he called out name. Tori, she whispered. I want to call him Tori. For my grandfather and his middle name. She'll be Karen for you, all right? You're going to have whatever you want. Says, Only don't. Don't leave me, Grace. Don't leave me alone in the world. His voice was husky with feeling. She felt beautiful. He didn't feel. He did feel something for her, something powerful, like what he felt, what she felt for him. Her fingertips traced his mouth. She loved him so much more than he knew. He gave me more happiness than I've ever had. She was. He saved my life. I love you, Grace. She, She'd taken a quick breath, and she seemed to be straining again. <laughs> we have to go, Colton said. You can tell her later. But Garrett was posted at her side. 
hurting, terrified that this might be the last time he saw her alive. He didn't want to leave. Don't you die, Grace. Karen choked as he started down after him. Don't you die here. I'm not going back and telling them damn Rose pushes that chart coming home. Mason Lee, she laughed. The sound was like chorus to evangels to Karen. He banged kissed her dry lips on it. Don't leave me, he was burning. I can't live if you don't. Dear strong my darling, she whispered as her eyes closed. The medicine was working. Come on. Ultron half dragged him out of the room. Grace was already going to sleep. Gary got one last glimpse of her blonde hair curling around her shoulders, around her pale face as her gray eyes closed. Please, God, he done a don't let them be close forever. Whatever I've done, don't punish me. Whatever done, punish me. But don't take her away, please don't. <laughs> She's come halfway, Colton told him. Since the panic in the usual words you control Don't give up on her. Let's go down and get a cup of coffee. Colton took him downstairs and brought him back black coffee. The man was still right through. Garen thought as they shared a table in the community. Commissary. I must have been a despot in a former life, Cameron. Take me condemned to go through this cell twice in one lifetime. Coulter understood the reference. Remember that Garen had lost his first wife was while she was pregnant. Grace may have a bad heart, Coulter told him. But she's got as tough but she's got as tough a spirit as any human being I've ever known. She survived an ordeal that much most childhoods wouldn't have. She's a scrapper. Don't give up on her. I wouldn't dare, Karen replied Emily. Would you like to see your son? Coltrane asked. The child he wanted for so long. His child, but he should Not yet, he said. Not until we know something. All right. Cash had been missing for an hour. Came into the commissioner looking worried. We had an emergency back home. They may have a hundred phone calls to sort it out. Bank robbery. Can you imagine in Jakesville? They got the guy, but I've, but I had to be available. How's Grace? Done surgery. He has a son, Coulter Nutter. Actually, it's his brother who was more. I'm an uncle? Wow. Karen sipped coffee. His old look was one of exhaustion. Come on. I want to see if your son looks like you. Karen gave it this I hope not. Poor little kid. <laughs> we'll have him ready about now, Coulter remarked. Well, Garen went with them reluctantly. He wasn't sure it was right for him to be enthusiastic of a child while Grace was fighting for her life. But he knew he'd go crazy if he had to sit here thinking about it. And at least the child would be a diversion. But when he was looking through the window at the little boy, his mindset changed. His whole attitude changed. He stood staring at the tiny thing and blue blanket with eyes that hardly focused. He's so tiny. <laughs> I can put him in my pocket. Want to hold him? Coulter not seen a way to erase the tear from his eyes. Karen looked at him. Well, they let me. Coulter and smiled. Come on. Put a hospital gown on him. Sat him in a rocking chair and handed him the tiny little boy wrapped in his blanket. The nurse showed him how to support the baby's head and back. Karen looked down at his child with a mixture of awe and fear. He was so small. All his readings hadn't prepared him for the impact of fatherhood. Count of little fingers and toes, smoothed his hand over the baby's tiny bald head. He saw Grace in the shape of the child's eyes and 
So open the chin. His eyes grew misty as he thought of the days and weeks and months and years ahead. Please, God, he don't let me have to raise him alone. The baby moved. One tiny hand grabbed Scarra's thumb and held on. Baby's eyes didn't open. He was curious about that and asked the nurse. We even told him that it took about three days for the baby to open his eyes and look around. But he still wouldn't be able to see much yet. Garen didn't care. Looked down at his son with an expression that no artist in the world would have captured. Watching through the window, Coltrin and Cash smiled indigently at the same. What a picture. Coltrin said, Picture! Cash took out his cell phone, turned it, looked through the eye, and snapped several photos of Garen holding him. Something to show Grace, he told Coltrin, when she comes out of recovery. Coltrane nodded. He hoped that prediction was correct. He knew far more than he was going to tell Aaron or his brother that could wait until there was no longer any choice about it. Four hours later, Dr. Franks went looking for Garen. He looked very tired. She's holding her arm to him. We'll know within eight hours. Known. Garen moved. No. What? The doctor drew a long breath. Coltrane grimaced. Dr. Franks looked at Garen and said, down. In eight hours... Either she'll wake up, or she won't. The most terrifying thing anyone had ever said to him. He knew it most looked like the walking dead. He gaped at the surgeon. Colchin laid a heavy hand on his shoulder. Don't give up, he said. I'll go mad. <laughs> Eight hours. We're going to go to the motel. I booked a room. <laughs> Leave the hospital now. Are you out of your mind? Carefree. <laughs> Only for a few minutes, Cash promised. And exchange a covert glance with the two doctors. Over cancer. Come on, trust me. You call me if there's any change. Aaron's asked Coltrane unsteadily. I promise, redhead doctor. I got your room too, Cash told Coltrane. He handed me. Don't argue. I have friends you don't want to have to make. Coltrane chuckled. Okay, then, thanks. I'll take advantage of it in a few hours. We'll be right back, Karen promised. Cash didn't say a word. An hour later, Karen was passed out on the sofa in the suite. Cash had registered him into it wasn't quite fair, he knew, but his brother seemed to be on the verge of a coronary. Cash had filled him full of a scotch whiskey and soda. Since Karen hardly ever took a drink, the combination of worry, exhaustion, and alcohol let him had hit him hard. He went out like a light. Cash wondered the depth of the man's feelings for his young wife. He had spoken a great deal about Grace in the past few months. They both come to the house for dinner a few times, and Tippy and Grace become fast friends. Grace loved to hold their baby, little Tristina, whom they called Trish, and cuddle her. Aaron had watched his wife with the little girl, and an expression of pure delight irradiated his normal tanked on features. Aaron didn't speak about Grace very much, but when he did, it was with pride. Perhaps he hadn't known his own feelings until this tragedy unfolded. It's impossible not to know them now. Six hours later, Aaron awoke. He blinked, looking around the room. It's a hotel room. Why was he here? There was his brother Cash on the phone. He didn't remember. Sat straight up on the couch. What time is it? Have you called the hospital? Grace, what about Grace? <laughs> he explained. Cash on up ahead, nodding and said, I'll be right there. Young Grace is out from under anesthesia. She's awake. Awake. She's alive. <laughs> yes, she isn't responsive yet. She's still pretty much under the anesthesia, but the doctors are curiously, uh, cautiously optimistic. The new valve is working perfectly. Karen got this feed. Damn. What well, did you ladle it to me? <laughs> Scotch whiskey, soda, and a substance I'm not allowed to own or explain how. 
explain because it's classified. <laughs> Garrett couldn't help but chuckle. Brother really was a devil, but he'd become a good friend as well. Paused by cash and clapped an hand on him. <laughs> if you ever get in trouble and need anybody arrested, you can call me. I'll remember that. Let's go. Garrett was allowed in to see Grace, but only for a couple minutes. She was white as a sheet, but her breathing was steadier, and the blip on the monitor was fairly regular. Brushed back her hair, loving the softness of it, quiet beauty of her face. If she sensed his presence, her gray eyes opened, and she looked at him a little blankly. You're going to be all right, he said so. Very soon, I'll take you home. Her lips stuck into a faint smile before she closed her eyes and went back to sleep. Karen touched his finger to her dry lips, loving just the sight of her. He went back out into the waiting room, feeling more optimistic. The fear was still there, but he dealt with it. He stopped when he saw six men surrounding Cash. They were colleagues from the San Antonio office, all except one who was the former leader of the hostage rescue unit. So her fell ladder as they came to greet him. Ask about Grace and offering help. He had to choke back over flowing emotion. He really did work with the best group in the world. Grace improved daily. They had her up and walking the day after sur surgery. It horrified Karen, but then insisted that this was what had to be done in order for her to recuperate and, more importantly, not develop a respiratory infection to go with the side effects of the surgery. Karen walked her down to the nursery with painful slowness. He pushed the pole where her IV hung. She held on his arm and felt lighter than air, despite her ordeal. They stopped at the nursery, and the nurse held up a little Tory for them to see. Karen didn't know it, but Cash had snapped several photos of him molding the little boy, showed them to Grace. She had any doubts about his feelings for her son, the photos erased him. Grace was fascinated by his love for the child. He looks like you, Grace whispered, and tears... <laughs> In tears as she saw her child for the first time. He's beautiful. Like his mama, he whispered, but brushed his mouth up her dry lips with breath. Thank you for risking so much for bringing our son into the world. You gave him to me. He seems like her eyes full of softness. Kissed her hair. I've given you a hard time, Grace. I'm glad I'll have the opportunity to make it up to you. She came more like, Penance, is it? He smiled on spades. That sounds interesting. Number a lower lip. When you're back to yourself, in about two months or so, we'll explore some sensual pathways together. It's wicked totem. You said she giggled like a girl. You stop that, she told him for a Right now, it's all I can do to walk. They did slip me right down the middle, you know, and I'm going to have every, even more scars now that I did to start with. He went, I like scars. They're sexy. Her eyebrows are swell. About the whole world, Grace, he added, adding, glancing back into the window of the nursery where the child is. A whole wide world. She smiled. Yes. And she slid her hand trustingly into his. Their first Christmas together was the most wondrous of Grace's entire life. Garen went out and got a tree, bought it home, and had several of the wives of his ranch hands decorate for him. The result was a delightful triangle of color and light. The baby could focus now, and he seemed to find the lights fascinating, laying Grace's arm, making baby sounds. That fascinated both his parents. It's just beautiful, Grace remarked, smiling up at him. It's the nicest tree I've ever had. He nodded, crying. I, my dad wasn't keen on celebrations, but our stepmother liked to decorate them. I never took to her. After dad found out and divorced her, our housekeeper started making Christmas special for us. I've always loved Christmas trees. Me too, Grace played. I had to fight Granny to put one up every year, but I got my way. They were watching television together. 
Garrett had been hard at work trying to nab a new drug smuggler who'd set up shop locally. He formed a task force, and Marquise was on this one, too. The two men had settled their differences and seemed to be getting along well. Rick came by to see the baby from time to time, but he always brought her, but he didn't want to alienate Garen, apparently. The news continued, contained a feature about a new line of dolls that had been broken sales records everywhere, and Grace watched it right. It was about a new line, homemade cloth dolls called the Mouse Family. There were male, female mice, and baby mice. There was a line of clothing for them, and even an easier candy name after them. They were selling like hotcakes. Every child seemed to want one for Christmas. They sold out everywhere. Grace goodness, they watched the screen at the end. They mentioned that the dolls were the creation of a hometown Texas girl, Mrs. Grace Grier of Jacobsville, Texas. Garrett had almost passed out when he finally found out what her secret project actually was. She sold the rights to the mouse dolls even before they married, and she done prototypes of all the outfits that would go with them. Nobody had expected them to sell this fast. Well, the agent for the department store that Grace had written to closed a sample mouse doll had expected it. He had great faith in Grace's sewing ability, and the dolls were really cute. He spent weeks lobbying for presentation and he managed to convince the toy buyers for a huge department chain that they would be the newest fat and make a fortune. He'd been right. Grace was going to be very rich. I thought I knew you when we married. Karen Mark was wrong. I didn't have a clue what you were really like. I told you I wasn't domestic, she pointed out. That's why we have Mrs. Turner, baby. He said softly smiling at her. You just go right ahead and make the dolls. I only make the prototypes, she reminded him. They have a whole department of workers making the dolls. It's getting harder, too, because they really are selling out everywhere. Always reminds me. Carson would love if you'd make a white mouse for his daughter's birthday. A special one with big blue eyes. <laughs> she grinned. <coughs> he can certainly have one. He'll have to take care of Tori while I'm working on it. He gonna that isn't a chore. You've turned into a very good father. She pointed out. I'm not yet, but I'm working on it. I have something for you, by the way, after I put Tori to sleep for the night. For me? He has puzzled. Don't bother guessing. I'll not say. Not yet, anyway. Does it have anything to do with roses? She first Not quite. Help me up, would you? He eased her up from the sofa with Tori in her arms. Her chest incision had healed, but it was still just a little sore. It had been possible for her to breastfeed the baby, which was a disappointment, but it also meant the Garen got to give the baby his bottle, and he loved it. She was over six weeks past her surgery and improving daily. I'll be back soon, she told Garen. Yeah, actually, she wasn't. He got involved in a movie when Miss Turner closed up the kitchen and went to a gospel singing with Barbara. The house was quiet. Just as grenades started blowing things up on the screen, Shadow fell over the television. He looked to one side, and his eyes bulged. There's Grace. Her long blonde hair almost to her waist now. Her slender body encased in a pink satin gown that was held up by two spaghetti straps. She looked young and very sexy. What are you up to, Mrs. Garen? Mrs. Cryer. Yes, she was raising his blood pressure. And the doctor hadn't said anything about letting her resume intimate activities. He said you thought my scars were sexy, didn't you? He nodded. His arm was racing at the side of her. Because those straps let the gown sink almost to her nipples in front. She had beautiful breasts. <laughs> If you really think the scars are sexy, she said in an icy tone, why don't you come to bed with me and prove it? He hadn't realized he was capable of carrying a woman down the hall and putting her to bed in such a short space of seconds. 
He sure is all right. Yes, but he was already stripping off the pretty gown of reveal body that made every muscle in him go taunt. It's all right, she assured him. He was out of his clothing in a flash, and beside her on the clean white sheets, he threw the comforter off the side without even looking at where it landed. Your chest must still be sore. It is, she agreed, lipping the fill of his mouth on her own, on her shoulders, and then on the soft price of her brush Reinventive, she whispered. He eased her onto her side. His mouth found hers. His hands slid up and down the soft skin of her hips and thighs, while his lips played havoc with her senses. It was like the first time he didn't hurry, despite the need that made him shiver every time his skin brushed against hers. He seduced her in the most tender way he knew, and brought her slowly to such a pitch of desire that she pushed against him with anguish. Easy, sweetheart, he whispered as he moved her up just now. To accommodate the slow, vibrant toss of his body. Yes, that's it. They were lying side by side. She moaned, wishing that she could feel his way. I want that too, Grace. She whispered in But it's too soon. I don't want to hurt you. It isn't hurting, she whispered back. Her eyes closed as he pulled her hips roughly against his and began to feel her in a slow, deep rhythm that echoed their rapid heartbeats. She pushed closer into her husband's arms and pleaded with him to ravish her. She thought... She heard her husky chack chuckle, but the spiral was already beginning. It took them both higher and higher into a vivid red heat that stopped breath, sight, hearing, everything except the feverish union of their bodies. Seconds later, she cried out in delight and arched against them with her last bit of strength. She saw him shudder, heard him whisper her name over and over again as he, too, found completion. A long time later, he propped himself on an elbow and looked down at Grace. He was proud on her back. She gave him a breathless grin. Now tell me, you only married me because I got pregnant. She turned her toe. Okay, you win. I married you for a great sexy grin. And, and your apple cake. He had to learn how you grow roses twice as big as mine. So why did you marry me? He his hair and smiled up into his dark I married you because I loved you, she said softly, because you were the only man I was ever able to want. Thank God for that, he whispered. Kiss the tip of her nose. I gave you a difficult time. She put her finger over it. We're happily married with a new baby, she reminded. All that other stuff is gone, he said. At least you won't ever have to worry about Sheldon again. She nodded. There was a sickening feeling in the pitch of her stomach just to hear his name. That therapist I'm seeing is really good. She's helping me cope with the memories, you know. As today is an example, she's really opened you a lot. Her eyes took him seriously. It wasn't that. His eyebrows were. Then what was it? You had your shirt off while we were watching TV. <laughs> she put her eyes on his broadcast. You shameless man. I really can't resist you when you're half naked. I feel exactly the same way about you. He agreed and kissed her again. She glanced at the baby monitor. His light was warm, but she only heard him soft breathing. I'm glad we got that. She pointed to it. Otherwise, I'd never sleep. Neither would I. Breath Are you happy? She's not. I could die of it. He kissed her eyelids tenderly. Remember how he'd done that just before they wheeled her into surgery. When Tori's old enough to go to school, I want you to come work for me. What? As a translator, he said, you might not realize it, but Arabic is one language not a lot of agents could speak. You'd be an asset. First, you're listening to him. I might do that. He rolled over on his back. Now, I have to go to court tomorrow and testify against the bank robbers we got. I'll probably be home late. She gets his shoulder. I'll make a late supper. He smiles, sliding his arm. 
You're the nicest wife on earth. It's no wonder I love you. Your heart's kid. It's the first time he said, words to you, really? His dark eyes emphasize the feeling of words. With all my heart. For all my life. And I hope we have a very long time together. She rolled up against him. Developed in happiness. All the lonely, painful years had led her down. A path that ended in love and passion. A child born of the love. We earned our happiness. The grandfather had once told her with pain and tears. She smiled drowsily, ignoring the faint wind of her incision. Pressed herself against her husband's strong, warm shoulder. We're going to have years and years, she promised, and I love you more with every one that passes. He drew her close, so careful not to hurt you. I love you the same way. And we both take talk to the rose bushes, she moves. As long as nobody hears us, he great. I work for the FBI, I can't be overheard talking to plants. He kissed his shoulder again, still wrapped in warmth afterward, uh, warmth aftermath of belonging. And they say that federal agents have no sense of humor. She scuffed gave her. I was going to listen. This business-like experience, expression is the reason I just got promoted to ASAC in San Antonio. Now I can give orders and go to luncheons and with famous politicians. I'll even take you with me if you promise not to wear that blue dress. <laughs> the dress was a standing joke. She hung it in her closet and brought it out when she wanted to irritate him. That was often since her surgery he'd been the most wonderful caretaker she'd ever imagined a man could be. I'll promise he agree. Did Barbara tell you that Jackie left town? He murmured. She did. How wonderful. Stop that, he said. She was never any competition for you. She'll go to some big city and become a tycoon. Like me? She teased You can only be a tycoon if you don't have to travel ten months out of the year. Promoting your project. I don't even like having you away for a day. I have insecurities. You have to reassure me that I'm valid. I do. She moved up a little nibble with Maddie. How's this? He goes, nice. Don't up. She gets him again with more fever. Better? His arms reached out. I'll dig to if he whispered. Well, years and years of this. She smiled against his hard mouth, tangled her fingers in his thick hair. Me too. There was a sudden wail from the monitor. They both got up at the same time, moving hastily into the next room where their son was screaming, his tiny face red as fire. Gary took a wife and whiff and swallowed hard. Grace burst her lips. She recognized that smell too. We could draw straws, Garrett suggested. She watched him in the ribs. Somebody who can lift a mask to do this, and I can't yet. He still hesitated. Listen, tough guy, you were a hostage rescuer. You were even on the SWAT team. It's in the rule book that FBI agents do not have to change diapers. He informed her hardly. Paragraph 211, section 3, page 221. There's no such rule, sees him. Yes, there is. I'm going to go right now and look it up while you change him. Don't have to lift him yet. It's a very high pit. He sounded very desperate. She had to force herself not to burst out laughing. He never told her himself, but she knew from Mrs. Turner that when he was faced with this, with his first real dirty diaper during her recuperation, he threw up before he could change it. He handed her the wipes and a new disposable diaper, and his eyes spoke volumes. She gave him a weary look. You'll wipe. you wipe all tape. She did laugh then. Shaking her head, she did her half of the duty work. And left him to put the fresh diaper in place. He lifted a tiny boy to his bare chest and held him there, kissing the top of his small, so soft little head. She watched him, her eyes burned with quick tears as the picture made. He glanced down and saw the little, what? Yeah, she leaned against him, her fingers tracing the baby's object. 
I was just counting my blessings. She said, it's impossible. I have too many. He bent kissed her forehead with breathlessly. As many as grain of sand in the ocean. He said, it was profound feeling. The dark ice going with. I'll treasure you all my life. All the way down into the dark. And the last picture I have in my mind will be your face. Smiling at me. Children, darling, I love you. I love you, too. He whispered, tenderly kissing away her tears as the baby went to sleep in his own. I'll never stop. And he never did. The end of the book. I told you. It got crappy and better.